Well, good morning. My name is Gary Hansen. I'm the pastor of Care and Teaching here at MDRC at the Bridge. And thank you, worship team, uh, for all the time and all the talents represented that you so uh, graciously give, not only at this time of year, but especially at this time of year. And also, just a, a word that uh, during Advent, thank you for your flexibility uh, to worship in the round. Um, and this is our attempt at creating a more intimate space in this room, and you've all been very willing participants in this adventure. Um, I, I want to acknowledge, though, the extra work that our tech folks have uh, put in to make the lighting and make this feel the way it feels. So if you could please join me in thanking them. Uh, come Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve, we're going to be back to sitting in, in rows, but um, we'll see when we uh, dust this back off and return to worshiping in the round together. But at this time, if you would please bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, you, you are here in the most unexpected of ways because you are the three-in-one God, the Alpha and the Omega. You have no beginning and you will know no end. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you spoke, and all that is, and all that was, and all that forevermore shall be came into existence. You separated order from chaos and proclaimed that your creation is good, that it is so very good. And Lord, then you, you pulled from the dust of the earth these bodies that, that you have folded and molded in your image, and you have proclaimed over each and every one of us that our lives are good, that we are your image bearers. But Lord Jesus, we are aware this morning that like our first parents, we have gone astray. We have we have tried to make it on our own. We have drifted far from the garden that you planted for us to dwell in. So you came and you took on flesh and you dwelt among us. You became Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord Jesus, into this space, into the mystery of your presence here with us, that you, Lord God, are willing to be vulnerable that you, Lord God, are willing to move into our neighborhood to wrap your arms of love around us. And that we are unable to reach out to you, so you have reached out to us and drawn us close to your side. And for this, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you for the gift of each of our lives. We thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the, the assurance that you have provided in our heart of hearts with that still small voice of your Holy Spirit reminding us that not a hair can fall from our head without the will of our Father in heaven, that all things must work together for our salvation, for, for this deep-rooted assurance that you have instilled within us, Lord. We, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we get to spend together, whether we're in this room or, or whether we're represented on whatever screen, whatever device we might be able to be participating with this morning, we thank you, Lord, that we are together, that we are your people, not by anything we have done, but because you have proclaimed that it's good for those who are created in your image to be a part of community, that it is not good for us to journey alone. So you came and provided us with the people who are a part of your body, with the people who are created in your image. 
So Lord, we pray that as we dwell in this space, as we inhabit this time together, we pray that your word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, this is the final Sunday of Advent, and this morning we're going to hear a story, an Advent story provided for us by Dr. Luke, the author of the gospel that bears his name. These words are found in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. Hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard of your greeting that it reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, for a while now, I've been listening to an artist by the name of Jason Isbell, and one of his songs has been on repeat on my playlist. The song is called Speed Trap Town. Now, Isbell isn't a, a Christian artist, but he is able to capture with power and precision the emotion behind what he sings. And in preparation for this morning, I was surprised when this song kept running in my head because I could have never imagined that it would have weaved its way into a sermon. And yet there's one line in Speed Trap Town that, that I keep hearing. The line is this. It's a boy's last dream and a man's first loss. A boy's last dream and a man's first loss. It had me thinking about loss and the reality that the soil out of which the Christmas story is created contains loss. We don't hear that very often, but the soil out of which the Christmas story is heard is a story that contains the reality of loss. So I started thinking about loss in my own life, those times when those boyhood dreams came to an end and a man's first loss was experienced. You see, because from the time I, I can remember, as far back as I can remember, every Christmas after Christmas after Christmas, all I wanted from my parents was a ball of some sort, a ball to, to hit or to kick or to throw through a hoop. It's all I wanted to do. And I grew up in a, in a small town up in northern Wisconsin, and, and that town happened to be one where the, the sport of football was uh, of significance. 
And so when I was 10 years old and I watched the high school football team make it all the way to the state championship game, I decided that that's what I wanted to do, what I wanted to work towards. All my hopes and dreams revolved around one day having that experience. So in seventh grade, when we got to put on the pads and start playing, we, we had some success. In fact, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade were all undefeated seasons. In tenth grade, the, the grades ahead of me actually repeated as uh, state champions. I didn't get to play much on that team, but the next year, I was able to be the starting quarterback of the high school football team. For me, it was a really big deal. During my junior season, a couple of guys got hurt, and we didn't even make it to the playoffs, but my senior year, we all decided that this was going to be the year, and we made it all the way to the state championship game. It was a, a magical run. I, I mean, remember being filled with excitement and adrenaline, and then at halftime, we were behind 42 to zero. <laughs> it's not how that story's supposed to end, right? Actually, the second half, they, they put in their reserves, so the final score, 49 to zero, wasn't as bad as it actually was. A boy's last dream is a man's first loss. That, that might sound like a silly example, but what we have in common in this room, wherever you might be this morning, what we have in common as image bearers of the Most High God whose first parents decided to go it on their own and make their own path through this lost and broken world that we have now inhabited as a result of sin being a reality, we all experience loss. We all experience disappointment. We all experience grief and pain. It's part of the Christmas story. If you hear the story again, pay attention. If you haven't paid attention before, or even if you have, pay attention again this week to the places in which loss is presented as a reality. Most notably, we meet up with Mary this morning, and by all accounts, scholars are in agreement that Mary was more than likely a teenager. She was a, a teenager who, who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, now you know that their culture, although it's much different than ours today, that planning a wedding was a big deal then in some ways that are similar to the ways in which planning a wedding today is a big deal. Brides and grooms bring to that space all sorts of anticipation, all sorts of expectation. Hopes and dreams run rampant in anticipation for a betrothal. When all of a sudden... The way that the story is told, the story that we inhabit this morning during the season of Advent, the story goes like this, that into all of Mary's hopes and dreams, all of her expectations and anticipation, God shows up and throws a serious curveball. He throws it all into chaos. The angel Gabriel proclaims to Mary that she's going to bear a child, and Mary as any of us would have responded, has no clue how this is going to work out. She points out the obvious that she is a virgin. 
This doesn't stop the angel from proclaiming. No, this is what needs to happen to fulfill the prophecies of old. Mary had no say in this arrangement whatsoever. All of her plans, everything that she and Joseph had been anticipating was thrown out the window. There is loss. There is confusion in the soil out of which we celebrate Christmas. So I love it when Luke says to us, the the way that our translation says it, was that Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. I read that and translate it, Mary freaked out. I would have as well. You would have as well. Within Mary, as she processes the reality of what Gabriel has just told her, the reality of how her life is going to be turned on its head, the the reality that that she is confused and disoriented. She packs up all of her stuff and she heads for the hill country. She heads to someone she trusts, someone who is a few steps further ahead in this journey of life, her cousin by the name of Elizabeth. Now, if you don't know Elizabeth's story, we're, we're told that she's married to a priest and that they have longed for children of their own for a very, very long time. They're advanced in years. They're beyond hoping for children of their own. And yet, Elizabeth is about to bear a child. And along the way, we're told that Elizabeth has navigated the contours of this journey, this journey in which she has experienced disappointment, this journey in which she has experienced frustration, this journey in which we are told that that she was blameless and she was faithful, and yet, culturally, she would have been disgraced. She would have been pushed to the side as a woman who was unable to have children of her own. Mary heads to Elizabeth in the middle of freaking out, in the middle of not being able to make sense of what's happening. In the middle of all of her loss and confusion, she turns to someone who she trusts. If you were a part of our worship together last week, you you know that that that's how we handle the anxiety within our lives, the the loss and the confusion. We, We shared prayer requests with one another, and we were praying for one another over the the course of this past week because we cannot go it alone. Mary couldn't go it alone into this new and uncharted territory, into the way in which her story had taken such a drastic turn. And into that space, within Elizabeth, Luke says that the baby in her womb leapt, leapt for joy, leapt in anticipation, leapt as a a physical reminder of the hope that she was carrying around inside. The question The question that we're invited to ponder together this morning is what causes the child within you to leap? What causes within you that that experience that is undeniably the hope that has been instilled in your very being by the one who has given you this gift of life? And we have to We have to have a level of awareness that Mary had, that that hope that Elizabeth was now providing for her cousin, who she cared about so deeply, 
because Mary was unable to see the way forward, but Elizabeth was able to hope on Mary's behalf into that space of loss and confusion, into the uncertainty of what might lie ahead in your journey. What awakens the hope within you? You see, the soil that hope is born out of is the soil of loss as well. I was made aware of that this week when I pondered for myself what sort of loss might be a part of this Christmas experience for me and, and my family and came to the realization that we're, we're anticipating with excitement and joy we're going to pack up and, and head north a, a week from today to be with my parents who still live in that small town in northern Wisconsin. We weren't able to be with them last Christmas, which I imagine many of us had that experience, so it makes this year a little more special when we can be with the ones that we would want to be with. But there's also an awareness. As my sister and I had a conversation about what Christmas was going to look like, we, we spoke the, the reality that the tree that my mom once put up is in the basement and her knees don't allow her to go down and bring it up and decorate it the way that she would want to. We named the reality that we're not going to get the fancy dishes out of the china cabinet because it's a lot of work to get all the fixins and, and all, the, all the dishes that we might want to be able to share that meal on would, would require a level of effort that, that my folks just don't have anymore. And my sister was brave enough to just give voice that, that at least we'll be able to be there. And we don't know how many more Christmases we'll be able to share together in that space. Loss is a part of the Christmas story. Loss is a part of what Mary experienced when she let go of, of her hopes and dreams of what her life was going to look like. And, and the angel doesn't sugarcoat it for her either. Gabriel tells Mary that this one that she will give life to, this long-awaited Messiah, the Savior, that, that the entire nation of Israel has been pining for, for generation after generation, he will actually be for Mary a source of great pain as she will take every step with her son through this experience of bringing redemption and restoration. There's loss that lies ahead of Mary as well. So this morning... This morning, into whatever losses you bring with you, my hope is that you'll be honest with yourself about what causes the child within you, the one who couldn't wait but to wake up and experience Christmas morning, the one who had an active imagination about what your future might hold, the ways in which the child within you leaps at the awareness that Christmas, that the joy of this season is, is still a part of the magic and mystery that we come together to celebrate. When I ask the question that you're going to be invited to ask yourself in just a bit, and actually if you didn't get a chance to, to pick up one of these cards that were on the chairs in, in this space, or if you're at home, you might want to get something that you can write this question down on. Now, these questions 
These cards aren't going to be collected this morning. These are going to be yours to keep. And the question that you're invited to ask yourself is this. What makes the child within you leap? What makes the child within you leap in hope and anticipation in the midst of loss and pain? I figured if I was going to ask you that question, I had to ask it of myself, and I was surprised. When I was brought into a place where once again I was that uh, 10-year-old boy, and what made that child within me leap to life was what Paul was talking about in his letter to the Corinthians when he said, if we have hope but for this life, we are of all people most to be pitied. My, my hopes as I've grown older, and maybe this resonates with you as well, my hopes are for that day when every knee will bow and every wrong will be made right. And I had to bring my mitt and find my twin's hat and put it on because what makes the child within me leap is the idea, the hope, the vision, the dream of one day. And Maybe it's because I live in Iowa. Maybe it's because I love Field of Dreams. One day having a catch with my dad when his shoulder doesn't hurt anymore, when the aches and pains that are becoming more a reality in my life aren't there anymore, when we can just enjoy what we enjoy doing for a season that at the time I didn't know how brief it would be, that season of throwing the ball back and forth and the season of anticipation and expectation of what would lie on the horizon. I'm grateful for the awareness that a, a final score of a football game doesn't have the final say, that the, the losses of this world do not have the final say, that, that those empty chairs around the table when you have your Christmas celebration together, that those who you would love to be with, that the fear and anxiety of financial stress, whatever loss you bring into the reality of this Christmas simultaneously within you, the child of hope is present, that all the wrongs will be made right, that just as sure as I can see myself playing catch with my dad again, you have a vision of hope within you. And you're invited at this time to give voice to it. Just jot down whatever comes to your mind. There are no wrong answers. This is your vision of hope. And then hold on to it this week and for however long it might be of significance to you. When I was crafting together the, the words of this message, I did my, my offices right up there in what used to be the prayer room here at the bridge, and this space was inhabited by about 20 preschoolers running around with fairy wings on their back and boys throwing balls at each other, and there was laughter and there were tears, and into that space, I hope that that childlike hope, the, the reality of kids at Christmas will find its way into your experience this year as well. Please pray with me. Lord, we 
are familiar with loss, we're familiar with pain, and yet you came. You came so that there will be no more confusion, no more sleepless nights, no more unwanted diagnoses, no more pandemics, no more car accidents, no more cancer, no more Parkinson's, no more Alzheimer's, no depression or frustration or fatigue. You came to make all things new, and into that promise, Lord, we find hope this morning. We find hope in the image, the image of everything being made right, of every tear being wiped away. We find hope in the promise that you kept long ago to send your Son, who is our Savior. So for all of the fragile hope represented in our time together this day, Lord, we pray that you will take these, our humble offerings, and do what only you can do, that you will multiply and magnify within us this experience of what it means to be your children. And like children this Christmas, may there be joy and abundance in each of our lives. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen.